Thank you for listening to audio from First Baptist Church of Flora. If you would like more information about our church, please visit www.fbcflora.org. There was a word in the song that we were singing that spoke to my heart, and I guarantee you it spoke to some of your hearts. And the word was breakthrough. They were praying for a breakthrough and we're believing God for a breakthrough in our lives. And so I'm saying I need it to hear that right here for my heart, for our hearts. Who else needs a breakthrough? Raise your hand. I know. I know a bunch of those hands. I know a bunch of those situations. I don't know all of them, and that's okay. I don't have to know all of them. But I know a bunch of them, and my heart was going out to you too. Because I know some that need the breakthrough. And so I just want to pray for those who need a breakthrough. And so I'm going to ask you, if you raise your hands just then, I'm not going to ask you to say anything. I'm not going to ask you to come up here or do anything. But if you raised your hands just then and said, you know what, I need a breakthrough in my life, would you just stand up right now? Would you just stand up right now? I need a breakthrough in my life. Now, church, I'm going to ask you, if there's somebody standing close to you, would you stand up and put your hands on their shoulder and we're going to pray for these folks. Just gather around the people that are standing right now. Make sure that I don't want anybody not to have somebody's hand on them. So you get to somebody. If you see somebody and nobody's around them, I don't care if you don't know them, you go to them right now get your hand on them. And we're going to be the church. We've come to church and we're going to be the church. Pray for this breakthrough that we need. So Father, right now in the name of the Lord Jesus, the name that is above every name, the name that the only name that has power, God, I pray for breakthrough. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, brother. God, I pray for breakthrough. I pray for breakthrough, Lord. Not for us, but for your glory, Lord, that you would move. I believe every word that we have said, Lord, every word that we have sung, God, that breakthrough is possible. And it's not just possible, but it's your plan for us, God. Because you want to work in our lives. And Father, the enemy is coming hard against us. He's looking for every opportunity to take take us down. Not to take our salvation. He knows he can't do that. But he's going to do everything he can to take everything else away from us if we'll let him. So Father, I pray that that won't happen. And that these folks that stood and that are heavy-hearted, and their tears coursing down faces right now, and uh, people that are struggling right now, Lord, that need the breakthrough. Whatever that means, you know it, and that's all that matters, Lord. So I pray for breakthrough, that you will be glorified and show your might and your power in ways that we've never experienced before, Lord. And the only credit, the only glory can go to you because of it. Not anything that we did or any way that we orchestrated circumstances, but because you showed up in a big way and we experienced your breakthrough in our lives. To you be all glory and praise. We trust you now. We trust you. We only trust you. We trust you alone. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks so much. You may be seated. Thanks, Matt. So, um, wow. 
man, I love hanging out with y'all. Man, that's why I went back there. I mean, I, I could hear you. I could feel you. And I just wanted to be right up in the middle of you. While we were singing just then to the glory of God, man, that is so, so, so good. Thank you, Lord. You remember back in your school days, uh, you get to class, whether it's elementary, junior high, high school, even college, you get to class, and the teacher or the professor walks up. You take your seat in your desk, and the first thing that happens normally, in most circumstances, is that the teacher will begin to call roll. Right? Start calling roll. And so, when your name is called, how would you respond? How many of you would say, here? How many of you would say, present? How many of you guys would go, yo! Isaiah? That's what, you know, that's what, and so what you're saying, when the, your name is called, and you say, here, or you say, present, then what you're saying is you're saying, I am in my place. I'm in my place. I'm where I'm supposed to be. And I'm ready for my assignment. I'm in my place. So today we're going to talk about the places of the church. We, we're in the book of Acts. We've been in the book of Acts for several weeks now. And we've talked about the power of the church. We've talked about the proclamation of the church. Mark and uh, Michael preached on Acts chapter 3. And then we talked about the people of the church. And so today we're going to talk about the places of the church. So I hope you have your Bible with you. And I want to ask you to turn to Acts chapter 2. We're going to look at verses 46 and 47 in particular, but I want to get Acts chapter 2 beginning at verse 42. We've looked at this passage before. We're just meandering around here in these early chapters of the book of Acts right now because I think that's where we're supposed to be. And I'll tell you why here in just a minute, even more so. But Acts chapter 2 verses 42 through 47 is what we're going to look at today, focusing really on 46 and 47. Would you stand, please, and let's read the Word of God in worship this morning. And they, the they that we're talking about there, if you back up one verse, just a few words, you see 3,000 souls. They, the 3,000 new believers, the church that had been born, birthed, day of Pentecost, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all, all, kind of what happened this morning, it was just awe-inspiring and awesome to worship and sing with you. All came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together. I've got that word circled and highlighted in that verse right there. All who believed were together and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to proceeds to all as any had need. Now here we go. This is where we're going to focus. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. May God bless the reading of his word this morning. Pray with me. Father, right now, Holy Spirit, you're here, you're with us, you're in us, you're among us. Teach us, help us, uh, instruct us, empower us, and help us to obey in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much. You may be seated. So I attended a conference this week. I was out of town all week. We had a great uh, staff retreat last 
Sunday and Monday. Thank y'all for praying. We asked y'all to pray, and obviously you did because we got a lot done. We we got up to Camp Kernop up in North Madison County uh, Sunday evening. Uh, had a great meal together. Had some great prayer time together. Started working and praying and working and praying, and then uh, spent the night. Got up Monday morning and jumped right back into it. And man, it was just just good, good, good stuff. And our staff came together, made some big plans. Big announcement coming soon. Uh, end of this month, we're going to make a big announcement that everybody needs to know about. Something that's coming together in a real big way for us. And so, I'm really excited about that. So, right after that, so that was Monday. I got home Monday evening, then got up Tuesday morning and headed west and headed out to Houston, Texas, and uh, drove out to a pastor's conference out there. That really, the conference really, I was there Tuesday, Tuesday evening, all day Wednesday, Thursday, and then came home Friday. And uh, the pastor's conference, really the focus of the conference was on prayer and, and the importance of that uh, component in the life of the church. So the conference was put on by a group called the 6-4 Fellowship. 6-4 Fellowship from Acts 6-4. That says that the apostles uh, focused on, the apostles said, we will focus on prayer and the ministry of the word. And so that's, that the 6-4 Fellowship is a group I'm a part of. It's a national group. as guys all over the United States and Canada that are part of it. Uh, probably some guys in foreign countries as well. Um, and it's a pastor's fellowship, a group that we focus, the focus of it is to encourage and challenge guys like me to stay focused on Acts 6-4, on prayer and the ministry of the Word. So, the, so check that out. So that's Acts 6-4, fellowship. That's who put on the conference. The name of the conference was, I know this sounds confusing, but I'm going somewhere. The name of the conference was the 6-7 Awakening from Acts 6-7. Now what does Acts 6-7 say? Acts 6-7 says, And the Word of God continued to increase... And a great number of the disciples, a number of the disciples multiplied greatly, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. So, in other words, Acts 6 7 is the church seeing God move in a powerful way. So, here's the formula. I actually got a bracelet with this formula on it 6 3, because Acts 6 3 talks about the disciples taking care of the needs and serving God. Then Acts 6.3 plus 6.3 plus 6.4, the apostles doing their prayer and word of God stuff equals 3 plus 4 equals Acts 6.7 equals a church that's seeing God do incredible things. So man, it was so cool. It was such a good conference. It was just such a good conference. And so on the way out there, I had a lot of windshield time, uh, you know, seven and a half, eight hours driving out to Houston. Man, folks in Louisiana drive crazy. Can I just tell you all, they, it's been a long time since I've driven across I-10 in Louisiana. Them Cajuns are nuts. And, I, and then you cross the Texas line, and you better stick your foot in it even more. Because, I mean, you just, until you get to Bucky's, And then you got to stop. So, and I did. So, uh, so on the way out there, I prayed, God, let me hear...
kind of impressed with myself. But it, anyway, Mike, you got that on video, right? All right, good. All right. Uh, so on the way out there, I pray, God, please let me hear from you and let me know when you were speaking to me. So check this out. I got there on Tuesday evening. The first thing was a worship service. Unbelievable. About 500 people there, pastors, ministry leaders from the United States and some folks from Canada. And the guy that preached uh, Tuesday evening was a guy named Kevin Myers. Kevin is the pastor of 12 Stone Church outside of Lawrenceville, Georgia. Unbelievable message he preached. And in his message, he focused on Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 7. I know you don't remember every sermon I preached, but last Sunday I preached Acts 6, 1 through 7. Isn't that coincidental? The next sermon that was preached was preached by one of my favorite preachers, a black preacher named H.B. Charles from Shiloh Church in Jacksonville, Florida. I really hope one day I get H.B. to come preach here. H.B. preached next. Michael, H.B. preached from Acts chapter 3, which was preached the week before I preached Acts chapter 6. Okay, I'm listening to that guy. The next guy that preached was a guy named Vance Pittman, who's pastor of Hope Church out in Las Vegas and is also now the new president of the SEND Network with the North American Mission Board. And Vance Pittman got up and preached on Acts chapter 1 that I preached the first sermon in this sermon series. The entire conference centered around everything that I have been preaching to this body of believers. I'm listening, Lord. So man, we we prayed. The conference focused on prayer and the Word of God. We prayed, and we prayed a lot. They didn't just get up and say, okay, you ought to pray. We prayed, man. They said, look, gather around. Get up. Take two or three people around you. Man, I prayed with some missionaries that were sitting next to me one morning. I prayed with a couple of ladies that were sitting next to me the next morning. I prayed with people that I'd never met before in my life. I prayed with a guy that's going to be preaching here in August, Bill Elliff, and he and I went to supper and prayed together and talked together. And man, it was just so cool to pray. We worshiped, man. We it was just this awesome time this as we were together with all of these worship leaders. But one thing we did not talk about was church buildings. There was not a workshop or a panel discussion anywhere that talked about church buildings. Now, we were in a cool church building. We were at Kingsland Baptist Church in Katy, Texas. You strategic development people, as we get ready to think about building and stuff that we need for our church, I took a bunch of pictures. They got the coolest coffee bar. Dude, we're going to have us a coffee bar. Uh, we're gonna build, we don't build nothing. We'll have a pulpit with a coffee bar. I'm telling you that we're going to have the coolest coffee bar. Man, I took pictures of it. They had this cool outside prayer garden. That would be so cool, man. And people, the little uh, tables everywhere, little small tables where people gather around and sit together and pray together and do word, uh, Bible study together and discipleship and a, a fountain over here. And this is so cool. And I thought, man, that would be... Then the, but, but we didn't... We didn't have any conferences or workshops that talked about prayer. The focus of the conference was on who the church is and what the church is supposed to be doing. But 
even though the conference was not on church buildings and we didn't talk about church buildings, the truth is that there are places that the church can and should be found. There are places where we can and should be found. The application of this sermon today is this. It says, we got it up there? Have I got it? Y'all got it back there? There it is. The church is not a place, but there are places that the church should be present. Take just a minute. Let you write that down. <laughs> the church is not a place because we are the church. C H U R C A U R the church. But even though the church is not a place, there are places that the church should be present. So let's talk about those places. The church ought to be in here. Point number one, the church ought to be in here. I love church buildings. I, I love church buildings. I, I, I just do. I, I like new ones like the Kingsland Baptist Church. It wasn't necessarily a new building, but they've done a whole lot of cool stuff, kind of like we're changing some stuff here. We've got some new lights up here. We've got the new things up here. We've moved the screen up. We're still working. We're getting a better sound system, lighting system that we're going to get installed here in the next few weeks. And we're, you know, to make things better. And so, you know, theater seats that you can sit in and big screens and lights and all that. I love that, man. I love that. Also like going in our sanctuary that's been there since 1910 with stained glass and pews that creak and, 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 and things like that. I, I love old church buildings that just have been there and just they just have this, this, uh, this aura about them, you know. I love those old church buildings. I, I love big majestic church buildings. Ron, when First Baptist Jackson, how many of y'all ever been in the sanctuary of First Baptist Jackson? Raise your hand. Listen, I'm telling you, when I was on staff down there, that sanctuary, I don't know, Ron seats 3,500, 4,000, maybe something like that. Massive, y'all know, downtown Jackson. And when I was on staff there, our offices were up on the third floor. And so people would come to see me, come visit me. They'd never been in the church building before and stuff like that. So they'd come see me. And so we'd be talking and say, hey, you want to go see the sanctuary? And, and yeah, yeah, yeah. So we'd be walking. We'd go down one floor and we'd walk and we'd be you know, joking and yucking it up and just laughing and cutting up and, and all this kind of stuff. And I get to the doors that would be closed to go in the sanctuary. I get to the doors and I just open the doors up and step back and let them walk in. As soon as they walk in, they just whew, they just can't. You're overwhelmed as you walk in. It's the majesty of that building, that place. But I also love being in a a little small building that has no air conditioning and bare light bulbs hanging from the ceilings and homemade benches and Haitian people and Dominican people packing in that tiny little building and you sweating and you ain't smelling good and you just get but you were getting after it worshiping the Lord in that something about a place in church there's something very significant about a gathering place for the church the people of God have always had a place to gather 
good Old Testament. Go to Psalm 122, 122 verse 1. You don't have to do that because I can start it and some of y'all can finish this verse because you sang it as a little kid. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Jot that down, Psalm 122 verse 1. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Were you glad when you got up this morning that you were going to get to go, come here and go into this place that we consider to be the house of the Lord here today. I hope you were glad. I sure enough glad to be with you today. You've made me gladder that, that since I've been with you today. There's something significant about the people of God having a place to gather. You go to... Moses and the children of Israel wandering around out in the wilderness. Even they, they even had a place to gather. It was a portable thing. It was like a big tent. They called it the tabernacle. And so they would set it up. When they got where they were supposed to be going, they would set it up and they got a place to gather. Well, God says, now it's time for you to go. Take up the tent, pack it up, go to the next place, set it back up. We got a place to gather. There's something significant about the people of God having a place to gather. And the church ought to be in here. In this place. Here in Acts chapter 2, verse 46, that we looked at, we see that these new believers, in other words, the church, these new church members, because remember when you come to faith in Christ, you immediately, automatically, eternally become a member of the church capital C, the body of Christ. So right here, all these new church members, they were still gathering with other believers in the temple. In verse 46, it says, and day by day, attending the temple together. They were still going to the temple. Now, they weren't doing Old Testament sacrifices anymore. Didn't need to do that. Jesus had already been crucified once for all sacrifice. Amen? No more sacrifices. No more lambs being slaughtered. No more goats. No more nothing. Jesus paid it all. His blood took care of all of it. So they, were, they didn't go to the temple for, to make some more sacrifices, they went to the temple to pray. And so they were still doing that. They were still doing that. So why do we gather in here? Why don't we come to, as we used to say, why don't we come to big church? We come to big church for corporate worship, to sing to the Lord. That's not just all there is to worship, but we do that we come to this place for corporate worship. We come to this place to pray. We come to this place for the proclamation and teaching of the Word of God. So the church ought to be in here. Acts chapter 3, verse 1, that Michael and Mark preached on. It says, And Peter and John went up to the temple to pray. They went to big church to go pray. And then we find over in Acts chapter 5, verse 42, it says, And every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease. They never stopped teaching and preaching that Jesus Christ is Lord. So you see, we've got to be in here. The church ought to be in here for praying, for preaching, for worship. 
This is so important. I remember years ago, I like police TV shows, police series. Uh, Vicki and I used, uh, as we still do from time to time, watch Law and Order. Um, but there was one that came out several years ago um, called Hill Street Blues. Some of y'all remember Hill Street Blues. And Hill Street Blues was about this police precinct called the Hill Street Precinct. And every, more, every episode would open with the police officers, the detect, detectives gathering up in the meeting room. And Sergeant Phil Esterhouse would come in and he would tell them all, sit down, shut up, get ready. He'd talk about all the crimes that are being committed out there, all the criminals that need to be apprehended out there, all the things happening out there on those mean streets. And then he would close every roll call by saying, let's be careful out there. Let's be careful out there. The, the roll call was a time for the officers to gather before they scattered. So if you'll let me use that analogy, you and I are sitting in the precinct right now. And we gather for instruction, for encouragement, for motivation, for decisions that need to be made now. The church gathers before we scatter. And so church ought to be in here. The church ought to be at home, secondly. The church ought to be in here, and the church ought to be at home. Now, listen, the bulk of our time as a church is not spent inside this building. I mean, truthfully, if you, the, the majority of us, you show up here on Sunday morning, you spend about an hour Okay, I'll, okay. You know, you spend more than an hour. I understand that, but you spend about an hour to hour and a half fellowshipping, worshiping, and then a whole bunch of you go home instead of staying for life groups. So if you go home, then that's and then I'm not I'm not picking on you. I'm not, I'm not pushing at you or anything. I'm, but for a lot of you, that's the extent of you being in this place. Is this one where you are right now? And I'm glad you're here. This is so important, so good. But then some of you will hang around after this and go to a life group. So you'll be here for another hour. So that's two hours. Let's just two hours. And then a few more of you will come back Wednesday night for refresh or you'll work with the kids or you'll work with the students or you'll be in choir practice or something like that. And so you'll come back and you'll give maybe another hour on Wednesday night. So if you, if you do all of those, if you do all of those, then you do a grand total of about three hours three and a half hours in this place. The bulk of your time then, the bulk of our time then as the church is spent at home. So what does that say to us? Do we have a responsibility to use our homes as the church? Or is our home simply our retreat from the outside world. Get home in the afternoon, get the car in the garage, drop that garage door, get in the house, and you're there. 
insulated from everything outside. Now, look, there ain't nothing wrong with wanting to be home. Man, I, I was ready to get home Friday. When I was driving home, I was ready to get home. Wasn't nobody there to see me. My wife wasn't there, but Buddy was so excited to see me. My border collie was thrilled that I was home. Vicky had gone to a cheerleading competition down on the coast. She didn't get home. I finally saw her at 11.30 last night, and then we finally went to sleep at 1 o'clock when she stopped talking, and it was just... But I was so glad to see her. But I was so glad to be home. So there's nothing in trouble there is nothing wrong nothing wrong with wanting to be at home but i gotta ask you this when we look at scripture when you look at the early church now let me tell you something about let me tell you something about the book of acts this is an important point i probably should have made this point weeks ago when i started this sermon series the book of acts listen is descriptive not prescriptive in other words, there are some things in the book of Acts that, that describe what happened in the early church, but we don't do those things. That we, Hey, look, I'm letting you off easy. The early church met every day. Day by day they were meeting. But man, we sure can learn some stuff from them. And we look here, and it is so clear that another place, they were in big church, but another place that we found the church is we found them in each other's homes. Maybe we can learn something from them. Look at verse 46. And day by day, attending the temple together, big church, okay? And, I circled the word and, because it, that means it's not optional. They were doing both of them. And breaking bread in their homes. They received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. They were breaking bread in their homes. Now, that does mean, one thing that does mean is they were taking the Lord's Supper. They were doing the Lord's Supper all the time. Apparently they were doing the Lord's Supper every day. But another thing that we do know it means is that they were eating together. Amen. Can I get an amen on that? We Baptists and we in the South. Anybody like to eat in here? I mean, that's... They were doing that in their homes together. Eating together. That, let me tell you something. Eating together in our homes as brothers and sisters in Christ is a great way to fellowship to encourage one another, to have times of teaching and discipleship and prayer. If you look back at verse 42, it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. It is a great thing to gather around a table. Now look, I asked you a few minutes ago to stand up if you need a breakthrough. But I didn't ask you to start naming everything that you need a breakthrough for because the truth of the matter is there's a bunch of stuff that you would never want to say in front of 250 to 300 people. I mean, you'd probably walk out of the church and say, I'm never going back. John embarrassed me so much today when he asked me to say something. I'm never going to do it. But put you and about five or six other believers sitting around a table having some food together. I don't care whatever it is, railroad pizza, fried chicken, 
lemon icebox pie. I'm telling you what I want when I come to your house. You you gather up around that table, eat together, and then just go, hey, let's take a look at the Word for a few minutes. What's going on in your life right now? There's some of you that stood up that if you were sitting with a group of five other believers right now, you would pour your heart out to them. You know what they would do? They wouldn't kick you out of the house. Are you are you kidding me? You are struggling that bad? Dude, you are messed up. No, they'd gather up around you and they'd cry with you as the tears fell onto your plate and they would get up and cry with you and hold on to you and pray with you and then they would call you tomorrow and then they'd invite you to come back to their house again and check on you make sure, and then they would come to your house to find out if you're okay and make sure that things are going better and that the breakthrough that you're praying for is happening and if it ain't happening they're going to pray for you some more that's why these that's why the church is supposed to be in here, but the church is supposed to be at home. Look, I've been in some of your homes, and I have a goal this year to be in a lot more of your homes. I really do want to come to your home, so if you want me to come to your home, invite me. I'll come. I mean, it's just, but even if you don't invite me, I'm liable to still show up because I just have a desire this year and believe it's important for me to get into your home. You ain't got to clean it up. You, you just did whatever. You don't have to feed me. You can if you want to. You don't have to. But I've been in some of your homes, and I've I, and I found out something about your homes. <laughs> Why are y'all laughing? I'm not gonna tell you which homes were dirty when I went to see them. I mean, but I do have a list. But I, you know, I, I just uh, I found out something about your homes. You got some nice houses. You have some spacious houses. I've eaten, I've eaten in your home. I've drunk coffee in some of your homes. I've just come and hung out with you. I've prayed with you in your homes. And, and, and I've also found out that there's a bunch of y'all like Vicky and me. you got a big old house. And you got the empty nest syndrome thing going on. So it's you and your spouse. And you get home and the only place y'all hang out in that big old 3,000 square foot house of yours with two stories and four bedrooms and everything else is the only place you hang out is in your recliner at the kitchen table and then you go to bed. And you got the rest of this house. So I want to challenge you to use your home for the church and as the church. Yeah. I'm talking to you. To use your home for the church and as the church. The Bible both commands and commends hospitality among Christ followers. Jot down Romans 12, 13, and then I've got to finish this last point and get through. Romans 12, 13. Listen to this. It says, share with the Lord's people who are in need. Welcome others into your homes. That's the Word of God. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Welcome others into your homes. 
Who is in need? I am. You are. I'm looking at a bunch of people who are in need. I've shared with you as being as transparent as I can in the large group and I've shared more intimately with the staff and but in 37 almost 37 years of marriage Vicky and I are experiencing a level of spiritual warfare against us and against our family in a way we've never in an intensity we've never experienced before right now we're in need but I'm not saying that to have a pity party because I'm looking at a whole bunch more people who are in need. And so the Word of God says, share with each other when you're in need. Welcome each other into each, welcome each other into your homes. And then jot down 1 Peter 4, 9. It says, offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Don't walk out of here and grumble about the I can't believe it. I can't believe John said we've got to open our home up to people. It says, offer hospitality without grumbling. Your home should be another place for the church. Your home should be another place as the church. Man, start a Bible study in your home. Bring people into your home for Bible study. Start a prayer group. Some of you ladies, some of you, some of you older ladies, you need to invite some of these younger ladies to come into your home and have a Diet Coke or have a cup of coffee or some sweet tea and sit there because they are, they are struggling so hard trying to figure out how do I raise these kids and how do I balance my life and my career and how do I keep my marriage together and how do I keep doing this and I feel like I'm, I'm drowning sometimes. I need some help. And some of you older ladies can say, look, sister, I don't have it all together, but I can tell you, here's some stuff I've learned because I'm a little further down the road than you. That kind of stuff happens when you're sitting around a table or when you're sitting in your living room or you're sitting on your patio together. Maybe your life group can start meeting in your home. One of the things we discussed on the staff retreat is that we ain't got no room in this church. And everybody's fussing and complaining and wanting life groups to go back to one hour of life group where we can all be back together. Where are, you, where are we going to be? We have no room. But some of y'all need to say, you know what, we're going to take our life group off campus. And like right now, after the 8 o'clock service, there is a life group that meets in somebody's home right here in town. After the 8 o'clock service, there's a life group that meets in somebody's home. Some of y'all could do that. Because the church needs to be in here and the church needs to be at home and then finally the church needs to be out there. In here, at home, and out there. When the church was together in big church and when they were together in their homes, they could not help but worship the Lord, praising Him at all times for His goodness and blessings. Man, they saw God working. And they just kept blessing Him and praising God. This is awesome. And because, listen to this critical component. And because of their spirit-filled, changed lives, the church was enjoying favor with all the people. There was a graciousness and an attractiveness that spoke volumes to the world out there. Look, I told you last week, they out there don't care that you're in here today. This does not matter to them. 
They don't care. This makes no difference to them. What will make a difference out there is when you and I go live a Spirit-filled, changed life. And when that happens, we will enjoy favor with them, which means God will open up the doors for us to share the gospel with them, and then this is what will happen. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being Missionary Jim Elliott, who was martyred by the Alka Indians. Before he died, he said this. And you've heard this before. Maybe you didn't know who said it. But he said this. Wherever you are, be all there. So that's a good word for us, church. Wherever we are, whether we're in here, whether we're at home, or when we're out there, church, be all there to the glory of God. Amen? Let's pray together. Father, help us today to respond in obedience to you right now. Lord, speak to us. Help us to say yes in Jesus' name. God speaking to your heart this morning. You know there's a decision that you need to make. Would you come in obedience to Him right now as we stand together and sing? You come.
Just a moment, please. Uh, I'm always excited to uh, share with you folks coming to unite with our church family. Clint, come and stand with me, brother. Clint Lack, y'all know Clint, and Clint's been worshiping with us uh, uh, for a while. I know it was the last couple of years for sure, I mean, since I've been here, and I'm so thankful that he's coming this morning uh, to let you and me know that he wants to officially unite with our church family by transferring his membership. So I'm so excited. Have a seat right there, Clint. Y'all, after the service is over, y'all make sure to welcome Clint into our church family. Peyton and Lauren, y'all come and stand with me as well. I uh, had the opportunity last week uh, to have lunch with this awesome couple, and, uh, and we had a great conversation. And so in the midst of our conversation, Peyton said, well, Brother John, and you know, whenever somebody says that, I kind of go, okay, where are we going now? And he said, Brother John, you know, we've never joined the church. And I, didn't, I did not realize that. And so they said, but, you know, we'd like to officially join the church. And, and also, uh, Peyton needs to follow in believer's baptism. He's never been baptized by immersion. And so he understands the need to do that. And uh, so he will uh, be doing that as well. Lauren, we talked about, are you doing that as well? You, uh, that's what I thought. I, I thought, I remember, I'm sorry, I didn't see it on here, but I, I thought we had talked about that. Lauren's already been baptized uh, by immersion, but uh, Peyton's going to follow in believer's baptism. And so, what y'all think about that? I mean, that, that's just good stuff. <laughs> so if y'all have a seat right there too, and after the service, so y'all come and uh, welcome them into the church family as well. Man, God's it's just so cool, man, just when God's working and moving, I'm so thankful for that. So, uh, man, uh, I'm honored to be y'all's pastor and, you know, make it official, and, and, uh, and I'm honored to be the pastor of this church, and I love what God's doing here. And he's, he ain't through with us yet. Amen. And so uh, let's keep trusting him. I love y'all so much. Let's stand together and be dismissed. And uh, I got to get over there. And I know that the uh, preschool uh, teachers are really mad at me right now. So go get your kids as soon as I say amen. Lord, thanks for this day. Love you and praise you. Thanks for uh, Clint and Peyton and Lauren coming to unite with our church family. Lord, what a blessing. What a blessing, God. That's so awesome. Thank you for that. Bless them and bless us through them as we all, God, go now to scatter to be the church in our community. We love you and pray.